This afternoon we'll be considering the fourth petition, give us this day our daily bread. And so in connection with that, we will be reading from two different passages. First of all, Psalm 139, the verses 13 to 16. And secondly, from Romans 8, the verses 18 to 25. You'll be able to find Psalm 139 starting at verse 13 on page 718 of your pew Bible. Psalm 139, David has been speaking of how the Lord searches him, has known him, how he cannot flee from him wherever he goes, because God knows him so intimately. We come to verse 13 of this passage, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. Also read from Romans 8, the verses 18 to 25, which you'll be able to find on page 1301. The Apostle Paul here writes, by the power of the Spirit, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the creation, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. So far. We'll also read together from the summary of God's word that we find in the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 50. You'll be able to find that on page 562 of your book of praise. What is the fourth petition? Give us this day our daily bread. That is, provide us with all our bodily needs so that we may acknowledge that you are the only fountain of all good. And that our care and labor and also your gifts cannot do us any good without your blessing. Grant, therefore, that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it only in you so far. 
beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The weekend is almost over. And for some of us, our holidays might be drawing to a close at this point as well. What's the way that you look at this coming week in light of this? Are you going back to the rat race? Is that your purpose for your day-to-day walk, to provide yourself and your family with food? To be scrambling through life? When it comes to your prayers, how's your attitude towards God? Do you consider him and his glory first in your life. How does this come out in your prayers? There's a young man named George Mueller who led a very wicked youth. At an early age, all he lived for was today. Day in and day out, he lived for nothing more than to get things for himself. He would gamble, he would drink, he would steal. As he got older, he learned more tricks. In his teen years, he began to make a habit of staying in fancy, expensive hotels and then slipping out without paying the bill. He only ever thought of himself during these times, and he delighted in providing for his own daily desires this way, until one day he was caught. He was imprisoned, but prison seems to have done him little good. Being released from prison, he kept on going in his wicked ways until one night in 1825, he was exposed to the gospel message and the Holy Spirit took hold of his heart and convicted him deeply. It was on meeting Christ that he began to make sense of his life. Instead of putting his own needs and his own wants first, instead of focusing on satisfying himself from day to day as his first goal, he developed a deep relationship with God and began to aim for God's glory first in life. And it was as this started to unfold in his life, as it started to develop in life, that God in turn began to provide what was necessary for his goal, bringing gold to the glory of God in remarkable ways. He began by looking around him in the world, wondering how he could serve in God's kingdom. And with his eyes open to God's glory, first he became aware of many young children, orphans, who ran around in Bristol, England, homeless and in rags. He wanted to care for their physical needs, but he also wanted them to know the Savior who had laid claim to his life. And so, he prayed. And God granted him donors, With the backing of these donors, he opened a home and he took in 26 children. Then a second home opened. And he prayed again. 
and a third home opened. George Mueller made the most of the time that he had with these children. He not only fed and housed them, but at every mealtime, he also taught them the riches of prayer, the riches of seeking the glory of God first in your life. Moving from a life in which he had completely focused on himself, he now taught others to look to God's glory first, acknowledging God as the only fountain of all good, the source of our blessing as our catechism describes it. He put his trust in God alone and encouraged all those around him to do the same. And from that, he was able to impact not just the physical needs of thousands of children, but also their souls. It was with that dependent mindset, even on the smallest things, that kept him powerfully working for God's kingdom throughout his life. And this brings us to our theme for today, our daily bread. We'll see, first of all, moving from God's glory to our need, and secondly, moving from the physical to the eternal. We've been working our way through the Lord's Prayer at this point in time, one petition at a time. And as you may have noticed, the first part of the Lord's Prayer, the first three petitions deal with our relationship with God. They place the glory of God first. Hallowed be your name, we read. We pray that first of all we could know God, which is to say to know his name. And pray that we could direct our whole life to worship him. Your kingdom come. Having prayed that God's name would be hallowed, we've prayed for it to happen in the only possible way that it could happen. God's name won't be truly hallowed unless we and all people come to recognize his rule in this world. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This was, as we saw when we dealt with this petition, the next step in the natural progression of the prayer that our Lord Jesus Christ gave us. We pray that we and all men may deny our own will without murmuring and submit ourselves to God's will. In all of this, we see the glory of God coming first and foremost. But we recognize that in order for these things to happen, we ourselves need to live and be sustained as well. We ourselves need life and breath and strength to hallow God's name, to work as instruments in his kingdom as we pray for ourselves to submit to his will by his working. This is what our Lord Jesus Christ teaches us to look for first and foremost in our lives, to direct our eyes to God, to direct our eyes to his glory, to set ourselves by his power to a purpose that goes beyond looking to ourselves. When we look at Psalm 139, we see this same attitude coming out 
to the forefront. David, as he writes this psalm, submitting himself to the Lord, recognizes that he needs to look to the glory of God first and foremost. And so he begins by submitting himself to the Lord in a confession of complete dependence on him in our passage today. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He confesses how God begins to work in us right from the point of conception. We also read how our days were written in God's book before one of them came to be. He is the one who is watching over us. This shows that we're dependent from day one on God. And it's with this submission that we come to the Lord in those final three petitions that our Lord gave us. To give us this day our daily bread, to forgive us our debts, and lead us, into tempta- lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. There is nothing that more clearly covers all the needs of humanity than these final three petitions. In this, Christ gives us the right to ask of our Heavenly Father to take care of our physical needs, to then remove the spiritual barrier between us and God, and finally, to ask of our Father to give direction and strength to live in the life that He gave us. So in this, we're made aware of these three things as we come to these last three petitions. First, we need God for everything. But being made aware of that, the natural question that arises is, is everything okay between me and God? If I'm going to ask for something from someone, I want to be sure that they'll give it to me, right? And if there is a barrier between us, I want that barrier removed. And so Christ lets us know that everything is made right. That we can ask God, forgive us, because God will answer. Everything that we need for our souls is given to us. Everything to set us right with him. But then the question that follows from that, is being forgiven, is it just a one-time thing? Does God leave us to ourselves? Well, that's where the third part of this petition, where we confess our dependence on God, Complete dependence on him comes in. Deliver us from evil. It's not just the one-time rescue that we're given. We are dependent on God each and every day to continue in the grace that he's given us. This shows us that there is a basic gospel message at the heart of these last three petitions, isn't there? Genesis 1 There is a creator. Mankind can suppress the truth in their hearts, but they can't deny it. The heavens declare his glory. Day pours out speech today. God exists and God has created all things. All of heaven and earth are constantly upheld by his care. And so everything, including our daily food, comes from him. And so we call to him, asking, give us this day our daily bread. 
The problem being that in Genesis 3, God teaches us that all mankind fell into sin and remains in this fallen state, in a state of rebellion against him. And so we, as members of the human race, have lost all right to demand or to ask of anything from our creator and our sustainer. There's a barrier that goes up between us and the creator of the universe. So we need someone to save us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so in Genesis 3 verse 15, a Savior was prophesied to come. And in the New Testament age in Matthew 1, the Savior has come. Jesus Christ has come. And through him, this barrier has been broken down. Because of him, when we ask for forgiveness from God, we receive forgiveness from God. And our lives, therefore, as we move on, become ways for us to show how thankful we are to God for the deliverance that we've been given. And so we pray that God would deliver us from evil, that he would guide us as we take these next steps. So the first three petitions here are aimed at the glory of God. Is this your focus as you go into your day-to-day life? Do you begin with God's glory as your first priority in life, beloved? Do the choices you make and the words that you pray express that? Because it's with that as our mindset and goal that Christ teaches us to pray for everything else. He calls us to look to the glory of God before moving in to asking for our basic daily bodily needs. And this brings us to our second point where we'll look at this petition in more detail. As you looked at this petition, you may have noticed something interesting. We ask for our daily bread before we ask for the needs of the soul. You would think that the needs of the soul would come first, wouldn't you? It's interesting how this unfolds in the Lord's Prayer. We go from the glory of God in the first three petitions, speaking of his majesty and the coming of the kingdom, to the body. Now, if it was you or me who wanted to unfold this, we would be perhaps more interested in unfolding the spiritual part of this prayer, wouldn't we? After all, isn't the state of our soul more pressing? But our Lord Jesus Christ begins by teaching us to say, give us this day our daily bread. Our Lord is considering our needs. He's considering our perspective as we're living in this world. And the first thing we need is to keep on living in this world. We are living, breathing beings completely dependent on God's grace for existence. But this is our foundation for where we look. This is where we begin. And as our eyes are opened to our dependence physically, and as we're taught to confess our dependence on God physically, then 
our eyes are opened to more. The preacher, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, describes it like this. Life in a physical sense, or in a biological sense, is the basis on which all depends. So I must pray about my existence. But the moment that I do so, I come to realize that the physical is only one side of my life. There is another side. In our second passage today, Romans 8, the Apostle Paul encourages us to lift up our eyes and to become aware of this. We live our lives in a world that's in bondage to decay and all of creation is groaning under the effects of sin. We can feel this in our day-to-day lives, can't we? This is something that's woven into the very core of everyone's being. You can ask everyone on the street and they'll be able to tell you the many things that are wrong with this world. They can't so much tell you how to fix it. Oh, they can certainly tell you how to patch it here or there. Different government programs, volunteer opportunities, donations, and more. These things can grant temporary relief to the effects of sin, but they can't fix the root cause. Because the root cause is sin. Paul teaches us here that all of creation is groaning under the effects of this sin. So how does this tie into our daily bread? Our daily confession of dependence on God? Well, when we admit that we need help for our daily lives, we're admitting that if we don't get that help, the consequences will be that we will suffer the effects of that sin. Starvation, pain, and sorrow. Admitting our need here Just asking for our most basic physical needs lifts up our eyes to heaven. And it's here that our eyes are open to the fact that there's more to life. That we're not just running in a rat race, trying to put food on the table from day to day to day. That we're not just saving up for retirement for those final golden years The physical is only one side of life. And just as we need relief from the effects of sin, just as we need God to provide us with our daily bread, with our most basic needs, so that we don't suffer even that final effect of sin, death, we also need relief from the root cause of those effects, sin itself. As people look at the suffering in this world, it's impressed on them that there's got to be more to life than just this. There's got to be purpose to life. And this means that we as Christians have an opening here because we agree with them. To simply move from day to day doesn't grant purpose to life. But we are shown and we are taught that there is more to life than just the physical. We are taught to look beyond the physical, to the kingdom of God, to this kingdom prayer. And just as Christ leads us from the physical to the spiritual in this prayer, 
In the same way, we have the opportunity to lead those who are around us who are asking these questions from the physical to the spiritual. These everyday moments in which people groan about simply having to go from one day to the next, having to put one foot in front of the other, these moments which many, many people in the workforce run into become opportunities for us to open their eyes to something that is greater, to something that goes beyond just this world. We don't just have the meaningless emptiness of the grave which awaits us after a long life of scrabbling in the dust. We have a hope that goes beyond that. Life has meaning and it's lived to, the, to glorify God as those who belong to Christ Jesus. And so we pray that God would give us today our daily bread to provide us with what we need so that we can not only acknowledge him as the source of everything that we need, but also so that we're given what we need to work for him, that we're given what we need to sustain us as our eyes are opened up to the greater reality that lies beyond us and to work in that kingdom to which he has brought us. And as we become more and more aware of this in our lives, we also gradually learn to withdraw our trust from ourselves and all other created things and to place it only in God. Because the more and more we become aware of our dependence on God, the more we have to move away from dependence on ourselves. There is no room for the two of those to remain together I must decrease while he must increase. Coming back to George Mueller, he showed us this withdrawal of trust from all creatures and placing it in God alone in a remarkable way. One historian writes how from the beginning he refused to ask for funds or even speak of the ministry's financial needs. He believed in praying earnestly and trusting in the Lord to provide. And the Lord did provide though sometimes at the last moment. The best-known story involves a morning when the plates and bowls and cups were set on the tables, but there was no food or milk. The children sat waiting for breakfast while Mueller led in prayer to ask for their daily bread. A knock sounded at the door, and it was the baker. Mr. Mueller, he said, I couldn't sleep last night. Somehow I felt you didn't have bread for breakfast, so I got up at 2 a.m. and baked some fresh bread. A second knock sounded. The milkman had broken down right in front of the orphanage and he wanted to give the children his milk so that he could empty his wagon and repair it. Such stories became the norm for Mueller's work. During the course of his 93 years, he housed more than 10,000 orphans, received millions of dollars in aid, traveled to scores of countries preaching the gospel, and he recorded 50,000 answers to prayer. Now we ourselves, beloved, may not necessarily go quite to such extremes. 
We may choose to depend on God for our mission work, for example, through more regular donations, such as budgeted support from various churches in our federation. But whatever our choices may be and whatever the projects that we support may be, let these things be true. First of all, that we don't allow our pursuit of things on earth to be for our own glory, first and foremost, our own comfort. But by God's grace, let us remember as we confess our need for our daily bread to see the other side of that coin and also see what he has done for us in Christ to put his glory first. In the second place, as we express to our Father in prayer our physical daily needs as a constant reminder as to where our trust belongs, let us be reminded who the source of every good thing that we do have is. And in the third place, seeing the fulfillment of our daily needs not as an end, seeing our day-to-day work, our putting food on the table, our saving up for retirement not at an end, but as the means to an end. Namely, working to advance the kingdom of God in this world until God's work here is done. We work, as we read in Romans 8 verse 21, waiting and working towards that day when creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And as we do all of this, beloved of God, Let us remember above all that we don't do this in our own strength. And that at the heart of it all, our petitioning God for our daily bread is a reminder that our strength comes from Him. In our daily kingdom work, we look to Him alone to provide. And so we withdraw our trust. Let us withdraw our trust from all other creatures and place it only in Him. Amen.